Hi guys, it's Holly here at Faces. Welcome back to the Face It podcast. Today I'm here with Samir from Sim Clinic. Samir, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I know we've got quite a few interesting topics to discuss this morning. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. So um, do you want to just give us a bit of background into how you got into the aesthetic side of things? Because obviously your background is in surgery and obviously medicine. Um, so do you want to just give us a little bit of um, an overview of how you got into the industry and how you built your business to where it is today? Okay. Um, so I graduated in 2005 and um, did my housemanship down in London and then specialised in surgery or began the, um, the process to become a surgeon. But pretty quickly, I realized that um, surgery or medicine wasn't for me. Uh, so I carried on doing it, but I always had a, not an exit plan, but things on the side. Um, excuse me. And one of them was a software system. So um, I've always enjoyed, I hate IT, but I've always enjoyed how we can utilize IT or technology to make patients' lives easier, as well as doctors and nurses. Um, and then just coincidentally, I was I had a friend of mine who had an aesthetic business on and she used faces and just randomly she said, Oh, you know, are you on faces? And I'm like, what is faces? What's going on? So she spent a few minutes speaking to me about it. Um, and then then I joined and you know, step by step, um, I realized it was, you know, faces is is more than LinkedIn, it's more than Facebook, it's more than any other social platform or, or business platform. Um, here in the UK, what it allows and what it does, it, it allows businesses and people in the aesthetic industry to, to connect with prescribers, to connect with other practitioners, to have a platform for advice. For It, it, is, it is that all-in-one platform that if you are going to have an aesthetic business, um, that you just need to be on. Um, and I can't say anything... I can't see anything parallel to it or I can't see anything next to it. But saying that, it's not all good news. Um, as I said, my background is software systems. We've created apps in the past. Um, and I always email you guys saying, guys, come on, this app needs to, to be updated. This needs to be more. So whilst the platform's amazing, um, it's, also, um, it's also got room to improve like anything, really. Yeah, absolutely. And with regards to faces and our development, the developments happen through feedback we get from people who are using it. You know, I'm not a practitioner. I don't use it on a day to day basis. So, you know, the feedback we need to, to gain is from those who are using it, whether it be in clinic for prescriptions, for whatever they are using it for. Um, so that is really, really important to us. And we've got lots of updates coming think at the moment there's like an update every couple of weeks so always make sure that you're up to date um but every bit of feedback that we we get is listened to um do you do you contact Ben directly when you pass feedback sure. on yeah well initially um absolutely yeah I um I think he rang me once and replied by text messages um and I because I know you know we had a similar startup not similar but you know we had a startup and it's where all of a sudden you're the the CEO, CFO, uh, designer, UX, you, you are everyone, the accountant, the clerk. Yeah. Um, so you set up, and to be honest, even, you know, Holly from Faces, I, I thought Holly from Faces is, there's no Holly. It's just anyone who picks up the phone that day is, excuse me, hi, I'm Holly the, Yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of, I wear a lot of different hats within Faces. Um, 
so but you know you've got to be adaptable working in a startup as you'll know um but it also means I can you know on a personal level you know I learn all aspects of the industry of the software you know what we need um speak yeah. to lots of different people so um so yeah anyway enough about me so with regards to um sim clinic then so you are obviously focusing on the weight loss side of things do you want to just give us a bit of insight into how you steered into that direction and how everything's going at the moment so i am the youngest of six and we have as a family uh, you know my parents generation my uncles we have a horrific family history of obesity, heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, cancer. You know, we are literally, um, we tick all those boxes. So from a personal point of view, I've, I've always tried to exercise and, you know, eat healthy throughout my life, but other members of my family have struggled, um, my extended family really. So, excuse me. So that aspect of it, um, you know, the health benefits are what really attracted me to initially Ozempic and then, you know, the wider weight loss industry um it's you know people think great i lose weight i'm slimmer um some people have a holiday coming up or an event but what is important is the way uh, ozempic and just weight loss generally the way it you know reduces your risk of having a stroke a heart attack uh, cancer we're talking about the big cancers you know bowel cancer breast cancer pancreatic liver not that you know there are small cancers per se but you know these are the common ones yeah um so you can see how weight loss improves people's health, their mental health, their physical health. And in a way, you know, you're paying into like your future as well. So when you're 50, 60, 70 years old, you know, you're, you don't have all those comorbidities, those illnesses. You can actually, you know, go on a long walk with your grandchild. You can, you know, your knees don't buckle every time you go up the stairs. Um, and ultimately you live longer. You you live longer and have a better quality of life in those latter years. So the whole, you know, people look at the short, short term, but the holistic, um, what weight loss allows you to do is just have a better life. Yeah. Um, and it's not just, you know, I look good, I feel good, I'm size 10 or I'm a you know, 32 waist. It's actually, it's, it's much bigger than that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, for example, my dad has been overweight for years, always has been. And as soon as my sister had her first baby, he was like, oh my God, like I need to sort myself out. I want to see this little boy grow up. And it was just, it gave him that motivation to really make changes. And I think sometimes it can just take that, either a person arriving into the family or an event happening for, to, for that clarity to come for that person, can't it? Absolutely. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, 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 I was just going to say, and what people don't appreciate is um, obesity, it's not an option uh, in 99% of patients. You know, every single patient I've had, the fact that they've actually come to me means they're motivated. It means they want to make a change. And in every single case in my, in my clinic, in every single case, they've done things. They've done diets, they've exercised, they've done, they've, and I don't want to say they've failed because that's the wrong word, but they've tried to the things and they haven't got it hasn't gotten them to where they need to be so you know it's so when they come they are highly motivated highly you know they're just keen to change their lives and we and that's really that's i think one of the questions earlier was you know what motivate that's the most satisfying part of it when you see someone you know get to the, where they want to be and how it improves their life 
Um, and the unseeables, you know, the, reducing the risk of all those diseases we spoke about, they're the things we don't see and can't, can't really appreciate. But the, you know, the mental health, their confidence, you know, they're happy spending money on new clothes and a new wardrobe. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the nice thing. Yeah, I think on the aesthetic side of things, that's why a lot of practitioners do aesthetics as well. It's for that, you know, building someone's confidence, changing insecurity that they have um, or helping them with it at least and making people smile. You know, you can't have a bad day at work when you're when you're making people smile and really having an impact on their life. Um, So it's a very rewarding industry to work in. I would say on the flip side, there's in my opinion there's a dark side to the weight loss um industry particularly when it comes to azempic saxenda those types of products um which as we know are prescription do you get clients come to you who sort of have come across articles and social media around weight loss pens and are kind of like oh my god this is my answer you know this is my quick fix do you ever experience that with your clients? Yeah, and not only that. So if if we go back a few months, the media um, was very negative towards, I remember one day Lorraine was on, not that I was watching it, but I think from, from the football from the night before. Um, and she was very, very harsh. Uh, and she was saying things which were incorrect. She was saying, uh, I, don't, I don't want to single out Lorraine, I'm just saying generally across the news, if you open up the newspapers, it was similar. Because people were abusing it per se, uh, you know, someone who's got a, a holiday to Ibiza in three weeks, just use it. Um, and she was just saying, right, you, all the weight you lose, you lose it by uh, being on the toilet all day, which is not correct. And as soon as you stop the pen, you put all that weight back on. It's not correct. And she was using, oh, it's this TikTok drug. And they, you know, they use TikTok in a negative connotation. Um, and then, you know, within a week, you know, that same channel had people on saying, this is, in, in my opinion, Ozempic is the biggest medical breakthrough that we've had for decades. Obesity is the number one enemy for society. You know, everything is made worse by obesity in terms of people's health, NHS, beds, operations, costs, everything, mental health in some cases. So obesity is our biggest enemy um, and people say smoking. Obesity kills more people than smoking. And we can see even the government last week said something else about smoking. Obesity is the enemy, and we've never really had a magic bullet against it. Yeah. And we don't know, it's still early years, it's still 11, 10, 11 years into Ozempic's life. But so far, and I've prescribed nearly 20,000 pens. Wow. So far, this is the best and you know this is the biggest and best weapon this is our nuclear weapon against obesity yeah. so i had a lot of people come to me um to be honest in my my own clinic I've, i haven't had anyone who doesn't really need it yeah we have a strict criteria uh, where your bmi has to be above a certain number or if you've got comorbidities so people who come to our clinic have have been through that process of trying to lose weight they haven't succeeded um, but I have been asked to prescribe once or twice for people who have BMIs of 26. Um, and you can see, you don't know, but you can I mean, straight away exclude them. You know, you, you yeah. don't need it. And because there's a shortage of pens, you especially don't need it because you're taking that pen away from someone, A, who's diabetic, who needs it, or B, yeah. who's really obese and needs it. Um, 
and a lot of people trying to get rich quick off it um and they do skip they do skip steps you know there's this we we give patients uh, a long three page uh, it's not long it takes about two minutes to complete um but it's a it's a medical questionnaire to make sure it is safe for you um yeah. and you know telling them what to do how to do it um and you know asking them basically to agree to to listen to us so we we and that's probably from my medical history you know we're drilled with procedure protocols things that go wrong yeah the last thing i want to do is daily mails to be honest yeah that's it but i think like you said you know this it's kind of been abused within the social media you know I've, you see people on like geordie shaw using it kim kardashian has supposedly used it so i can see why you know with society and social media there are people who don't need it who are wanting it because they're like oh my god if I can look like Kim Kardashian by using this magical pen you get it to me and they don't understand um what it's actually for and what the consequences can be if you if you take this this medication but I think it certainly is a lot down to social media and articles that are out there sort of glamorizing it but the platforms also are, I don't want to say they're taking it down, but, um, you know, if you mention, I think in, on TikTok, um, we've got a social media account, but you have to be careful because you can't use, their, their, you know, their criteria is quite strict. You can't say this is going to make you lose you. I don't think you can use the word Ozempic, although there's a hashtag. Yeah. Um, they, they just take things down. And that's probably, you know, that's a form of responsibility from the same platforms that allow a lot of, other things that should be taken down so it's quite ironic you know the one thing that actually improves your health and makes you better no no we can't have you doing that but you know keep with your hate speech and your yeah yeah so it's it's strange but um yeah like anything in society you know you know people abuse whenever there's something people will find a way to abuse it you know the same the same heroin that's on the streets is the same drug that you give to someone who's dying in a bed. So anything has has um, a risk of being abused. Yeah. Why? Just touching back on what you said around smoking, why do you think there's so much press around smoking being like the, the big killer and alcohol, which is what I see a lot as well? Because um, I was actually surprised when you said that obesity is the biggest killer. Because I just don't see anything around that. Why? Why do you think that we're not exposed to that as much? Well, um, a couple of reasons. Going back to the obesity bit, this is a really amazing um, stat. An obese woman who loses ten kilograms of weight reduces her risk of cancer by twelve point seven percent. Oh my! Yeah. So if you lose twenty kilos. You've cut your, your, you know, by over a quarter, you've reduced your risk of breast cancer, bowel cancer, pancreatic by a quarter. That is massive. And through Zempic, you know, my patients, I say to them, you know, when they hit, for example, 10 kilos, it's like, you know, this is what it means. Yeah. This is what it means to your, this is the stats. It may not be the case in your, in your, your individual case, um, but that's how important this is. I think society, society's, um, going back to your question, Society, as a society, we have learned to say smoking is bad and say no smoking, no smoking in cars, no smoking in buildings. And soon, soon there's going to be a ban on smoking outdoors. Uh, as I think in New Zealand, they've got that ban. 
And you can actually write on your, um, if you're renting a flat, you can say no smokers. Now, replace smoking with obesity, you can't do that. Uh, there's a mental health aspect to it. These are people, you know, smoking is a, a choice. Yeah. Um, when you can, whereas, you know, obesity is not a choice. So you can't say no obese people. You can't say on your dating profile, or you can, but I don't think you'll get many people who will, you know, click it. Uh, you can't say, I don't want anyone with a BMI above 29 or 30. So I think society, and like anything, prevention is better than cure. So if we, you know, over the last two decades, there's been a big uh, thing about in school to teaching people to, or teaching kids to exercise and be out and be healthy. But when they become adults, and that's when the risks really go up, there needs to be a similar, um, you know, telling someone, yeah, go to the gym. No, what does that mean? Actually, before you go to the gym, get 10,000 steps in or get 5,000 steps in, then get yeah. 10,000. Then slowly cut out, you know, instead of having a burger, just eat the, uh, eat the patty. So getting people on along, um, along the journey with you, um, and that's what Ozempic is, it's a shortcut. So instead yeah. of getting from A to B in two years, you can get there in two months. Yeah. Um, that's what Ozempic is. It's, it's actually crazy. Like, like you said, it's such a breakthrough, isn't it? That this pen can do that to you, that's wild. But also those stats that you just gave, that should be on a billboard, not to obviously advertise a prescription medication, but just even people being aware of that, that might be enough to make somebody make healthier choices, start moving their body more, and just really think about that more how small changes can impact their life. A kilogram is a percent, more or less. So you lose five kilograms, you've dropped it by just over 5%. It is amazing um you're right you're right um and i don't want to become a conspiracy theorist but um you know a lot of people benefit from people being obese um you know be yeah. it the crisps the chocolates the, the fast food shops um so you know the gyms as well yeah. um so yeah I'm, I'm i'm definitely not a conspiracy theorist but you're right this should be front and center not just with the Olympic. Generally, you lose weight, yeah. you improve your life, you save your life. And this is one which is, uh, in 2013, University of Washington in America, they did a study and they showed that obese women spend the equivalent to 786, I think, pounds a month more than with women with a BMI of 24, 25. That's 786 pounds a month, every month. <laughs> And it's not just because they spend more on their shopping or they buy more chocolate. That's that's rubbish. The big thing is, um, and this is sad, um, obese women generally across the board tend to have lower paid jobs. Slim women tend to have higher paid jobs. And obese women tend to take more days off sickness. So if you're if you're zero hours or um, if you're paid by the day, for example, you get paid less. And this is throughout your lifetime. Yeah. Obese women tend to retire sooner and they tend to die sooner. So all those things combined uh, make them have a less or a smaller um, income income uh, ability to earn money. Uh, in men, it's about 680 odd a month. 
Um, but that's, you know, you say, I tell my patients, you're saving your life, you're saving your pocket, you're improving your 50s or 60s. It is such a, a big thing. And, you know, I just wish more people appreciated that information. Yeah. And that's probably our job where we need to tell people, we need to inform them that, that um, it's all it's all a win-win. Everything about this is a win-win. Yeah. I, those, I'm going to tell people of those facts and figures because I find that so powerful. Like even someone just hearing that or seeing that somewhere, could, like I said before, could could really impact their life in a positive way. Um, just going back to the weight loss clinic, then how has the shortage of the medication impacted your clients, their mental health, but also your business in general? Um, it's been catastrophic. Um, but like anything, you adapt. You know, when lockdown happened, people were like, oh no, we can't go to work, but then. Zoom, like yeah. you and I now. So yeah. we adapted. This time last year, I was having I was having pharmacies calling me to try and get my uh, services. You know, join us. We'll match that price. We'll better that price. And then over the summer, you know, I'm calling those same pharmacies saying, "Give me, you know, scraps, anything, anything." And it's tough. Um, and we're in a unique situation. My the best man at my brother's wedding, he's a close friend of mine as well. Um, his sister's actually head of sales for Ozempic, world That's sales. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those things where we've, I've not mentioned that we've got a clinic and we've tried to keep it uh, all personal and not professional. Yeah. Um, and she said everything was great. We were keeping up with demand. And then Elon Musk tweeted Ozempic. And since then, we have just, you know, we're not even close. And it's getting bigger. You know, the, the demand's getting more and more every month and we are in trouble. Um, and they sent me an email a few or letter a few weeks ago and they said, this is not going to get fixed until 2024 at best. Uh, and by at best, I mean, it's not going to get fixed, but it's going to be less, um, the, the, the supply's going to be a bit bit more or less demand. So um, it's 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 been tough. I know a few clinics who've, um, change their business they, they don't do Ozempic anymore um, I've got someone who would have 400 clients a month um, consider just go back to not a day job but another job yeah so it's it's been tough and it's one of those things just you know if you can wait it out you know lean on the aesthetics aspects lean on on other things that can get you through it because ultimately what you're doing is helping a lot of people and you know your services as well as helping your own pocket you know, you're making a difference. And the more the more people out there selling Ozempic or treating people, the better for everyone. You know, you don't want two or three people monopolizing on everything. So it's it's been tough. It's been really tough. Yeah. And what about your clients? Because, you know, they'll be aware of the situation. You only need to type in Ozempic into Google and you see articles about the shortage. Have yeah. a lot of them experienced sort of a sense of panic around that um what what have, how have they been feeling about it um i've been open with them um so the 0.5 milligram dose has been more readily available it's the one milligram dose that's um that's been an issue mm -hmm. um i think only twice i've told them i literally can't do anything right now i've been very lucky that you know in the past i'd spend my days in my you know, my office just, you know, sending emails, making orders and getting it. 
for the last few months over the summer, I've been driving around my city. You know, I go to pick up, um, you know, something from a shop. I'll find the pharmacy next door. I'll walk in. In my car, I've got all my prescriptions. Um, and in a lot, of, a lot of cases, I've been successful. In a lot, I've not been successful. So we've only had two clients who have had to pause for a few weeks, uh, you know, not out of choice. Yeah. Um, but then, um, then we got them a pen and they're back on it. Um, and if clients were lucky enough or are lucky and blessed enough to be able to buy two pens at a time, when you know it, it's it's feast or famine. So when there's a bit of a feast, get a couple of pens in, and then when there's a famine, you just have to hold tight. But the shortages, it's a disaster. And the reason behind it are, are quite sad. You know, um, the companies sell Ozepic to the UK market for a certain price because of how America is and how you know, they work there with their insurance. They can sell it for three, four times um, as expensive in America. So if you're the company, you're like, all right, we'll give Europe the scraps or the UK the scraps just to keep them happy. But... We'll redirect all our, you know, all our stock to America, where we're going to make five, four times as much. Yeah. Um, and that's why that company from nowhere has become the most valuable company in, in Norway out of nowhere. So yeah. you understand it. It's sad, but that's the situation. And hopefully, hopefully, the you know next year, twenty twenty four, it will be more readily available. Yeah. What I find, <clears throat> excuse me, alarming is obviously a lot of aesthetic practitioners offer weight loss clinics and you know everyone on these groups are like oh my god none of the pharmacies have resented da, da, da. what I found is there are so many accounts on like Instagram who are selling like fake resentment just like and just like any you know I see fake Botox I see unlicensed products but I literally get people following me it's like a Zempic warehouse. Yeah. Like yeah. things like that. And that really concerns me because I know that some maybe less educated practitioners will be like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll just get it off this Instagram page. Have you experienced that yourself? So I never knew this until, again, the peak of the drought in the summer uh, where someone sent me a picture and said, can you prescribe this for me? And I looked at it and it was a vial. Um, so it wasn't a pen, it was a, it was a small bottle. And, you know, and purely because I've been doing this for a few years, the BNF, um, the medicines formulary, uh, I know a lot about Ozempic from that. I was like, I've not come across that. So I quickly checked in case there was an update in the last few days. And it wasn't on BNF. Um, and then I looked into it further and spoke to my pharmacy friends. And they said, you know, I say fake. It's not manufactured by the company, by Nord Nordisk. Um, it's, they're getting it um, from other parts of the world. It's not licensed. And if it's not licensed, it means it has gone through the proper channels and the checks. And what that means is it's not, in this case, it's not as effective as the real semaglutide, but more importantly, and more dangerously, the side effects. Um, your and the side effects of Ozempic are serious. Pancreatitis is a it can be a fatal illness. Yeah. Um, so a lot more people are getting sick on it. Um, so I, I called that colleague back or the client I worked with and said, just stop, don't open those doors, just stay away from that stuff. Um, it will get better, but the last thing you want is 
you know, a patient, a poorly patient on your, on your books. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I mean, some of the things I see regarding products on Instagram, it's just wild that, you know, there's all these companies pretending to be selling the the right thing and, you know, clearly they're not. And, you know, this is people's health that we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, it, it is wild, but um, just moving on to the faces app then, Samir. So obviously you've used faces for quite some time um, and it's very, it's had clearly had quite a big impact on your career as well, which is uh, really like a nice thing to hear. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about how it's impacted you and how it's having a positive um, effect on your business as well? My business would not be, you know, I wouldn't be here without faces, obviously, but in terms of the business itself, um so because i've i knew i didn't want to do surgery or medicine i've I've always had you know two or three other options and the my number my main job is something completely different and this was supposed to be when i first joined you know when my friend joni got me onto faces i thought you know if i make you know if i make about 50 pounds a month 100 pounds it can pay for can pay for my tv prescription subscription my (laughs) In a dream world, it can pay for my car. Um, and then pretty quickly, it just snowballed. And it was all passive. You know, I wasn't posting every day like you do on Instagram if you want to get followers. I wasn't networking. It was just organic. And if you do a good service, you you know, people rate you and people want to be with, you know, you want to work with you. So... And then that it just became bigger and bigger. And every every week, you know, we're blessed. And it's because of faces. Um, and then I got introduced to someone who contacted me through faces uh, about weight loss and Ozempic. And they got me into weight loss and Ozempic. And, you know, that's where my business, you know, that was the birth of my business. But the birth or the um, conception was through faces. <laughs> that's I'm sure Ben would love to hear that. Um, no, I think that's that's great because I think a lot of um, practitioners obviously use faces where they can send forms to order their products and things. But I think just like you touched on previously, it's like a community, isn't it? You know, it's great that practitioners have access not only to prescribers so they can get the products they need for their patients, but also just for general advice. Um, and that, you know, prescribers like yourself who are listed on faces, are willing to help and and give that advice where necessary. And patient safety as well. Um, I've had people contact me through faces who maybe I prescribed something for them three, four months ago. And then they've got a patient who's had something, you know, they need medical advice. And you never, I always say, listen, this is not medical advice. You need to go through the proper channels. Uh, But I would say, go to your GP. Or I'd say, yeah, you know, you can see how it is. That's something minor. but a lot of the time, it allows that, should I call the doctor? Should I go to the GP? I'm like, yes, actually, go to A&E. There was one case where someone was on Ozempic. They hadn't come through my clinic or anything. Um, and she ran me, like, oh, I've got a bit of an upset stomach. Uh, I was like, okay, a risk is pancreatitis. Go to go to your doctor now. And she rang me two days later from her hospital bed saying pancreatitis. I'm on a morphine uh, infusion or drip, not drip, uh, pump. Um, and you know, you know that that's the extreme. You know, this is where you can end up if you don't um, if you don't take it seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's great that, you know, you guys as prescribers who work with faces are willing to offer that advice. Um, you know, obviously you can help with the prescription side of things, but even just general advice like that, you know, you potentially save someone's life there. So, um, so yeah, no, that's great to hear. Um, just finally, with regards to regulation, um, and that coming into the aesthetics industry, and that's, I guess, relative to, to weight loss clinics as well. What are your thoughts on that? Um, particularly having worked with a number of different practitioners, both medically trained and non-medically trained. Um, I'm just going to go back one step. Um, when someone tells me they want to go into aesthetics, uh, a lot of people say, you know, you have to post on Instagram, you have to do uh, Facebook, all those things. The number one thing they need to do is get faces. Um, you know, I tell about a few people who've asked me for advice. I was like, number one, faces, have that app. That's your that's your Bible per se. And then everything else. You know, if you want to succeed, it is it is literally your uh, your best friend in, in this industry. Regulation is is crucial. It's essential um, for patient safety, for regulations. I actually, 10 years ago, I was watching um, Panorama and a guy I used to play football with twice a week was on was on Panorama BBC because they weren't allowed to prescribe and sorry uh, give Botox and they were prescribing not prescribing they were giving it uh, they they were a Botox practitioner and rogue you know I think the title of it was rogue Botox something Panorama anyway the last thing you want to do is end up on TV or or the newspapers yeah. tabloids um, because yeah you can you know you can make a bit of money you can do this but when things go wrong these are patients lives patients faces patients health so if there's no regulation it, it's 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 catastrophic for everyone and i say that in the micro sense you know the patient the immediate family but as a society you can't you can't have something that is so dangerous or potentially dangerous like medicated or prescription drugs and have any any person just prescribe it or administer it you can't inject into people's faces if you're not trained um so it's it is so it is so important and people are being strict and it's good um and it has to happen um you know i'm all all for i'm all for uh, i don't like limiting it so there's one rule that says you know you have to be a doctor or a nurse yeah i understand where that comes from um but there should be a course, maybe a, a week course for people for people with safety nets, so you can get people uh, involved in it. And I know the doctors want to say, "Oh, I want it only for doctors," and the nurses say, oh, "Just doctors and nurses," because ultimately, you know, their piece of the pie gets bigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we need to. Um, it needs to be regulated. Yeah. No, that, I think I agree with everything you've just said. So thank you so much, Samir, for coming on the podcast. I love speaking with you. If anyone needs a new prescriber, I will put Samir's um, connection link below as well or any uh, general advice. Um, but it's been great speaking. So thank you so much for coming on. Really, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. Um, Good. Thank you. We'll part two. <laughs> going, guys. Thank you Bye. so much. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.